If you're hearing my voice, you have just checked in to another Barbell Buddha Rediscovered. You have quite a few nuggets and pearls to chew on today, but before we get to the show, I wanted to remind you to head over to barbellbuddha.com and purchase Simple Strength. That is the strength seminar that Chris put out. It's fantastic. It's only $99, and it'll be one of the best $100 investments you've made in yourself in quite a long time. Again, my name is Brooks, Brooks Meadows. You can find me at Instagram at Brooks Meadows, B-R-O-O-K-S-M-E-A-D-O-W-S. You can also find me on Facebook. Or if you're interested in my gym, you can check out Recess901 at Instagram and Facebook or head over to Recess901.com. That's it for the plugs. You know the deal. Let's get it started. like a little bit of torch band to get it started a couple of buddies of chris and ctp and the old barbell shrug crew that's torch band i imagine you can go on anywhere you listen to music and find all their stuff i encourage you to do because they're pretty badass that was some sludgy type of rock music there that chris dialed up for us welcome it's episode 32 and episode 32 is called hanging with kalipa everett Fu, paoli and Sturet. And if you've been in the CrossFit game for any amount of time, you probably know the most of those names. So a lot of amazing people to discuss in this episode. I want to take some time to set the scene here. Chris had just gotten back from the San Francisco Bay Area with Barbell Shrugged on a massive interview tour. And as I mentioned, they interviewed Jason Kalipa, uh, Greg and Avi, Amy Everett, Diane Fu, Carl Paley, Kelly Sturette, and a few more, okay? So these are in like, if you're following the Barbell Shrug story at all, or if you have, this is like in the 80s. You'll see these, uh, episode 80s or so, you'll start to see these pop in there. And that little strip of shows that they did with massive names in the CrossFit community really was a big tipping point for Barbell Shrugged you could see like this is where their momentum starts to like accelerate and starts to speed up faster and faster and faster and faster and it's going to lead to a tipping point for Chris but we're not there yet Um, but just know that Chris did have to miss an episode or two on this trip and you can just tell in the weeks to follow that 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 having to miss out on those types of opportunities is starting to dig at him a little bit okay but In this episode, he comes back fired up, ready to go, ready to share, and ready to work. So we're going to play a little game today. It's called What Chris Learned From, and then I'm going to fill in the name. And then we're going to play a game called What Brooks Learned From Chris Learning From, and then I'm going to fill in the name. Okay, so that's the game we're going to play today. The first episode and the first person to talk about that Chris starts talking about in his episode is Jason Kalipa, who I have uh, titled for this little game, The Busy and Balanced Badass. Okay, so Chris is telling you about his experience meeting Jason Kalipa. So a little bit of context is similar to the story that he told about Rich showing up to his garage. They show up to Jason's house and he's, you know, staying busy in his garage. He's doing some exercises, you know, all this stuff. If you know Jason Kalipa from a visual standpoint, he's a big buff guy and he's been in the CrossFit scene for so long. He was a former CrossFit Games champion and he's he's podiumed so many times. And 
What was more impressive about that to Chris, besides the you know amazing athletic feat to be able to evolve as the sport was going quicker, was that this is also a time where Jason was really pushing out his own personal brand and products. He has a gym called NorCal, and Chris mentioned that he had just signed a deal with uh, a Japanese company called Hitachi to put NorCal gyms in a lot of their buildings around, particularly in Asia. And that's like a huge, huge ordeal. Just that by itself could take up all of your time, even have time away from your family. Yet, Jason had the ability to not only thrive from a business standpoint, be able to network and be in all the CrossFit community and circles and shows and all that stuff, but he was also able to be this super badass athlete. And Chris was just enamored by that. So he does have a, a nice little nugget that I want to share from that experience with Jason Kalipa. And then we're going to pull it back and we're going to get to play the what Brooks learned from Chris learning. So let me get Chris dialed up. He's going to talk about Jason and particularly this one thing that I want to get to. And I think you're going to really get a lot out of it. All right. I'm going to get Chris up. So Chris, buddy, let's do it. Your, the thing you do, the plan you unfold, the, uh, the strategy you put into play, the shit you're going to do in the gym or in your life, the things you can put in your mouth, that's all a planning component. And it's great. you got to have a plan. you got to have something that's reasonable and pushes you forward and helps you be you know, driven in some specific direction. That's what a focused plan is all about. But the details of that plan surprisingly don't really matter that much. You should not get hung up on any particular detail that starts getting you know, complicated for a complicated sake. I'll talk about that all the time. But keep in mind, at the very least, the exact things you do are only like one sort of hub sports, you know, spoke in the wheel of this thing, this, this fitness thing you're after. Other spokes that are just as important have to do with, you know, how much effort you put in, how much you believe in this thing, and how much fun you're having. I mean, that's above all else. Having fun, <coughs> enjoying being with, you know, people you train with, or just having some time to enjoy yourself in the garage and focus. If you can't have fun when you're doing that, if you don't understand and are not comfortable enough with what you're doing to to have fun and to let go and just get after it and forget about things for 15 minutes as you hit it hard as shit. If you don't have that fun component, you're just not going to fucking get one thing out of your training that is really close to optimal. You know, if I had to choose between okay, not really exciting at all training, but it was fun, and some convoluted, super-duper fucking calculated, analyzed, guaranteed to succeed but maybe dry training, I take the simple straightforward thing every single time because I'm going to get huge as shit <laughs> if I want that or I'm going to get fit as hell or quicker, faster, more you know, more enduring, whatever it is you're after. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? That was the bomb going off. Chris, like th that was like two minutes, two, like less than two minutes of conversation and he just hit so many awesome points in such a short amount of time, I can't even stand it. Okay, first of all, the details of the plan don't matter so much. How many times have we heard that from Chris already? How many times do we have to hear it before we start to let that sink in? I don't know. I've heard it so many times, and I still find myself getting lost in the weeds of details. But the number one thing that I took away from this was having fun is the number one goal. He said that above all else... Having fun is the thing that's going to allow you to thrive. And like the first time I heard that in the first listen when I was spending my 100 days with Chris, like this was towards the end of month one, right? It's episode 32. It's his 31st episode. So I'm, I'm just getting into the end of the first month. And that, that, that right there, the having fun, it just, boom, it just like woke me up. Like, man, I am not having fun at all in my training. <laughs> I am not having fun at all in my job. Now, part of that was on me, right? Like, I wasn't maybe finding the fun things to focus on. Maybe I was being too critical of other things, being results-oriented or whatever. But the point was, like, I wasn't having fun. And, th and that just that clip from this episode, it woke me up. And it woke me up so much that it became a core belief in the gym that I own now called Recess. Like I called my gym Recess. If you're not trying to create a fun environment in Recess, like why even, why even name it that, right? So it's become such a core belief for me that I attempt and I aspire to like 
have this infiltrate all the areas of my life, not just my training, okay? I believe that what Chris was saying about having fun as the number one driver is actually something that we can take into so many areas of our life. Jason Kalipa wasn't doing moving NorCal, his gym, all the way around the world because it was a grind. He was doing it because it was exhilarating and exciting and fun. And it doesn't matter if it's your relationships, your profession, your personal life, your training. If you're not having fun, that should be the first indication that maybe something is off. I'm not saying that life is going to be fun all of the time. That's a pretty unrealistic expectation. If you do have that expectation, you'll be devastated when life serves you a, a nice, you know, like fucking kick in the ass or whatever. But the point is, is we should aspire, we get to aspire to like find the thing that really fills us up, charges us up, and has, has a good time. Like Chris said, it doesn't matter if you had the perfectly meticulously made program that is guaranteed for results, but it's boring, it's droll, and you're not doing it with anybody, or you have the ability to find a really simple, straightforward program around people that you love, he's going to take the fun side every single time, the experience, right? And I, 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 I really do believe that, and even though I struggle just like you know all of us out there, it is something that... Little by little, I'm claiming and, and claiming more of in my life. Like, man, how come I haven't had fun all week? You know, like, why, why am I going this long without having fun and enjoying my work? Do I need to make a shift? Do I need to, like, with the things that I'm doing, do I need a perspective shift? You know, that, I don't know. But the point is, is that as soon as we find ourselves in the grind mode and not in the fun mode, that should be one of our first indications that we're maybe maybe getting a little off course, maybe forcing things a little bit. So I just thought that was amazing. And again, it it is a core belief of, of my gym. It's a core belief of my personal philosophy. And it was without a doubt inspired by Chris in this episode. Next, we have Greg and Amy Everett. Um, they own a company called Catalyst Athletics. I didn't pluck a video or excuse me, I didn't pluck an audio clip from this particular thing, but there is something to take away. So I'm going to spend just a little bit of time on that. I call Greg and Amy Everett the servants of weightlifting because they have taken on such a large task of really highlighting weightlifting in a time where it was it's not very glamorous. Uh, it's not something that is going to get you paid a lot of money, if at all. And it sometimes can take away from you more than it gives back. But there is this amazing art and, and craft to weightlifting that, just like any craft, you can dial in these details and seek mastery and almost have an enlightening moment when you've spent so much time on this, what, what can be perceived as the same thing. And actually, this is a, a really great story. I believe I'm, I believe I'm correct in saying that uh, uh, it, it was either like Elvis or somebody famous, maybe like Tony Robbins, but like they had hired a private martial arts coach. And maybe the story is Tony Robbins has hired a really famous martial arts teacher that also taught Elvis or something like that. But the point is, is he's hired this martial arts teacher and he's like just nonstop working on things. And, you know, he's just throwing the same punch over and over and over and over. And he just starts to get really frustrated and bored that his master has had him throwing the same punch over and over and over and over. And his frustration, maybe he had a long trip or something like that. His frustration boils over and he turns to the guy and he's like, hey, when are you going to have me throw a different punch? Why do you have me throwing the same punch every time? And he kind of gets his nice smile and a laugh. And he said, the fact, just because you, that you, uh, that you believe that this punch and that punch are the same is exactly why we're still here. The point being, you are not doing the same punch. You're doing a bunch of different punches that all sort of seem alike because you believe that it's the same thing. But they're actually, each one, each individual one is different and it's an opportunity to refine. And the Everett's, 
The efforts did the same thing with weightlifting, right? It's an opportunity to refine, seek mastery, and give back. And the way that they've done that in the in the you know where we are in the story is they've written a book or two. They're about to launch a documentary called uh, American Weightlifting, which I've seen. It's fantastic. And uh, if you're into weightlifting, that is. If you, if not, it might not really do much for you. But they also own a gym and they give back to kids. And it was just the story. Their story really speaks to the power of dedication to something larger than yourself. And when it comes to dedicating your path to something larger than yourself, well, there's a couple of different, you know, things that we could draw on here, right? Um, you know, I don't have children. You might. Chris did. Like, that, just that experience. Like, having a child, it's like, oh, shit. Like, I exist for something much larger than my individual self once my child or children are born, right? So that's one way that we could exist for something larger than ourselves. Another would be like Greg and Amy Everett to dedicate yourself to an art form of some kind or a craft and compete in it, love it, teach it, and aspire to spread it to as many people as possible to pass that gift. I just recently did the Strong Coach with Mr. Mike Bledsoe, and one of the things that they say in the Strong Coach is that the Strong Coach exists to help heal the fitness industry. And that purpose and mission, healing the industry, I didn't realize it, but that's something that I've been aspiring to this whole time. And, you know, for me, like Recess the Gym, it exists to help heal the fitness industry. Well, what do I think is broken with the fitness industry? Hey, look, you know, like I, I, I love, I loved CrossFit. Okay. I didn't just, you know, drink the Kool-Aid man. I fucking bathed in it. All right. And I've been there and I've, you know, aspired to go to regionals and this and that. I was never going to be a true full on games athlete. Okay. It's just not, it wasn't in my desire, nor was it probably in my capability. Okay. So I, I get it. It's fun, but we can just like I said in weightlifting, like sometimes it can take more than it gives back. And you know, the, the thing about it is like you in CrossFit, you see many times people just like over sacrificing their body in pursuit of goals that, you know, while they might have some meaning attached to them, it's not actually enhancing the quality of someone's life because they hit the goal and then the only thing, the only logical next step is to set a new goal that's harder and faster is going to take more sacrifice and more you know, dedication and more therapy and more PT visits and all the above, man. So, you know, existing to heal the fitness industry for me is to link us back to the first point that we made. It's like, man, you got to have fucking fun, dude. And it's the fun that gets people the goal. And it's the fun that helps, uh, you know, yield the result that we want in a much more efficient way. And most of the time, if you're having fun, you're not hurting yourself. You're not putting yourself through physical trauma. Okay. And some people say, oh, I have fun doing CrossFit, but most of the time, and again, I'm speaking generally, but I'm, you know, you might understand what I'm saying here is that they think that it's fun because they get this high chemical dose of awesome, you know, like feel good when they're done. Uh, but that's just your body responding to the trauma and like, oh fuck, man, I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing trauma, I'm about to die. I don't need to be this uncomfortable. So here, here's a nice big dump of hormones to make you feel better. Okay, that's not actually having fun. That's getting high, and there's a big difference there. Okay. Not saying getting high isn't fun. I'm just saying that there is a difference between getting high on chemicals that you produce by going really fast and hard with your body and actually having fun. And I want, I many times if we're experiencing pain, we're trying to tune out. And if we're tuning out, we're not actually experiencing the thing that we're that we're aspiring to. So there's look, there's some. There's tons of arguments to be made in all different directions, and I'm open to hearing them. But my experience, I wasn't having fun there my experience. I wasn't really being present to the experience that I was having with other people. And it was taking away from my training. It was taking away from my, from myself. And I wasn't, I wasn't dedicated to anything larger than myself. So recent, like that's what, you know, that was my experience. That's what I learned. And now that's part of my mission. I exist to help heal the fitness industry by helping people play and have fun with their fitness and with their health. So I'm grateful for the Everett's for stand, making a stand because that allowed Chris to learn What's Chris learned from Greg and Amy Everett that it's awesome to be able to dedicate yourself to something larger than yourself. And that's what I learned is that like recess exists to do just that. Next up, we got Diane Fu. Gosh, what an amazing human. 
uh, I call her the Zen weightlifting master. And before I even get to the clip, I'm just going to share a story. I went, uh, well, first of all, like I have a friend uh, in Korea. His name is Brian, and he's he owns a CrossFit gym called CrossFit 4TP. And he's also a performer, a K-pop performer. And he's a really amazing, humble, awesome guy and a very close friend of mine, and I miss him dearly. But he's also well-networked. And so other people that exist in this, uh, that get mentioned in this episode, Kelly Sturette, Diane Fu, Carl Pally, like he's hung out with like all these people. And so if you ask some of the CrossFit OGs if they know Biju, they're going to like lose their shit because they love Biju. Everybody loves Biju. I love Biju. Damn. He's like my brother. Um, but Diane and Biju had connected quite a, quite a bit. And actually, fuck, man, Carl had even uh, uh, taken a, <laughs> done like the massage chair in Biju's house. And Biju's like had Thanksgiving dinner at K-Star's house. So I'm like one degree of separation from knowing a lot of these people. And, and I'm hoping to close the gap. And I did get to close the gap with Diane one time. And that also happened to be the first time that I met, uh, the first and only time that I like met and talked to Chris. And so Diane's doing a, a food barbell workshop uh, with another guy uh, named Lester Ho with a, the Training Geek. And I went and did this workshop and it was amazing. And I learned a lot about weightlifting, about the art of weightlifting, about my own weightlifting. And I had this opportunity to connect with Diane. And I said, hey, uh, you know, we have, a, we have a mutual friend. And she kind of like, you know, yeah, okay, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, like people in the CrossFit community know everybody. But you know, not every day you meet somebody that knows in in small town area of Mississippi that knows one of the most famous K-pop stars to ever exist that lives in Seoul, South Korea. And I was like, yeah, my buddy Biju. And she, her eyes just got like so big. She was like, oh my God, which is a testament to how lovable Brian is. And we got to take this picture and uh, send it to Brian. And we got to have this nice little moment. And very shortly after that, Chris walked in. And I remember seeing him walk in. And first of all, I was like, damn, man, he's, he's looking pretty good. Um, it looks like he's lost some weight. Uh, but the next thing I realized is like, man, like, I just felt so drawn to him. I was nervous as hell to talk to him, but I, like, I just felt so drawn to him. And I noticed he was just kind of hanging out by himself on the side and kind of sidled up to him. And I don't know, they recently talked about something like about kettlebells or some shit on, on, uh, on Barbell Shrug. And I didn't, I hadn't discovered Barbell Buddha yet. And like... <sighs> I was always an oddball in the CrossFit community because I wanted to talk about more than just fitness. I wanted to talk about life and philosophy and, you know, doing crazy shit, you know, and I had traveled a lot and, and I just had a lot of worldly experience, but I hadn't found Barbara Buddha yet. So I didn't know that Chris was this way yet. And it was like, looking back on it, you know, it's, it's perfect the way that it is, but it's just, if I could redo one thing, it would be having something more to talk about with Chris than fucking kettlebells. But that's what I had. That's what I felt like was the best opportunity. And I talked to him for like 10 minutes. He was very humble. He was very gracious. Um, he's very goofy, which is always great to see somebody just being their unapologetic self. Like it was really wonderful. And, uh, you know, this episode particularly is where Chris and Diane really connected. And, you know, flash forward a, a year or two into the future, Diane's hosting something near Chris's hometown. He's in town, so he, from California, so he's going to come over and say hey to his buddy Diane. And I'm so glad that he did. So this nugget that we're going to get to share from Diane, um, I'm, I'm not even going to spoil it. I'm going to let Chris tell you what he learned. So the game, what Chris learned from Diane Fu. Chris, let us know. Let's do it. But Diane herself is, again, fucking awesome human being. She comes in. Uh, I see her first because I walked outside. I actually get something out of the car. <clears throat> I see her coming across. Hey, we're interviewing you today. But, uh, you know, the first thing you see is great ink. She's a fan of tattoos. Like, oh, shit, you know, oh, who did your ink, this, that, and the other. Let me show you mine. We immediately fell into that conversation, which is so cool. I mean, fuck, the training talk can wait. Let's talk tattoos. Those things are fucking cool, right? If somebody tells you that tattoos aren't cool, they're just chicken shit to do it. They desperately want to get tattooed. Tattoos are always fucking cool. They're never a bad decision. Don't let anybody tell you that. Fuck, man. Live your life. Get what you want. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Diane is so great because she's really got a different feel for it. I mean, she's, she came into the sport, I guess, in a different path like everybody, I guess, does. But she brings this, this real appreciation to maybe sort of a, um, this cool like martial arts vibe. Like we've immediately started talking about how we view sports like weightlifting to be much more like meditation practice and martial arts and, and refinement and sort of an expression of an art form, way more than they are just 
a meathead thing to do where you're trying to lift as much as possible. I mean, they're much more graceful. More of a, it's more of a craft. It takes years and years and years to build up the basic proficiency. <clears throat> so it's really like the kind of activity that gets really, it's maybe like learning how to master the guitar. Maybe it's more like that than just exercise. And people who try it and oftentimes get hooked on it, <clears throat> you know, I maybe mean, that's why people like Greg are so passionate about it, and Amy and you know, all the great athletes who commit to it, because it is such a entrancing pursuit, this continuous you know, procedure, daily grind, training, you know, dedication, all this fucking energy exerted, all the frustrations of constantly missing lifts and refining and feeling and, and, and adjusting the way you lift barbells. Fuck, man, it's really intense sometimes and awesome. And, and you can see that when, when Diane talks about how, you know, meticulously she can describe movement and how, you know, some would call it geeky, but it's when you, when you have an appreciation for the lifts, it sounds kind of like a, like a, a study, a poetry analysis. You know, it's the way she describes motion and, and the, the way to lift and to, the way to train and the way you hold back when you're coaching athletes. You know, I mean, the greatest point she made, aside from, you know, lifting really is meditation and martial art more than anything, you know. This is an experience, perfect Zen experience. She talked about how you can help others. Uh, she'll, she will tell us a lot better than me. I'm not giving anything away when you see this on Barbell Shrug, but she talked about how when she gets a new lifter in or she's helping somebody, the first thing she does is nothing for quite a while. She just observes, doesn't pay too much attention, doesn't analyze, doesn't give, doesn't give especially any, any coaching cues or feedback right then. You know, lets the people be them. Let them put in some reps. Let them let them start getting a feel for things. She noticed. Well, she she says, <clears throat> I mean, the best coaching thing I've heard in a long time. To be honest with you, that once you see an athlete achieve sort of a state of flow, so like in a in a snatch or it could be in any kind of complicated athletic movement when you're seeing lots of joints moving at the same time, you know a beginner by the way they move. It's kind of jerky. It's not all the way confident. Let's say. <clears throat> Maybe they move a little clumsily. You can tell they're thinking a lot. And they're not moving as fluid as they could because they're going, okay, I do this, then this, then that, like an algorithmic approach to movement. But somebody who's comfortable doesn't seem to be demonstrating any signs of thinking too much. Not in a dumb way, but in a genius way, in a, <clears throat> in a refined, uh, trained, skillful way. They move without thinking about what the next move is. They just execute it automatically, and they do so with a rhythm and grace. She says when she starts seeing the first signs of that, she'll come in and make one small recommendation. Okay, you know, now you're ready for this. Let me give you that one thing, that one tiny thing, and let me step back and watch you struggle with it. And if you don't get it right a couple times, or if I see other things, it doesn't matter. I'm going to focus on this one thing. This one tiny cue that will help them get better. They don't have to all of a sudden fix everything, because that's just not the way you learn. You don't truly... get used to emotion or a new motor pathway or anything, a new skill. You can't do that instantly. You can't do it in one session, even four sessions, even 20 sessions. It comes with fucking a lot of small baby steps. So one thing to keep in mind is if you're keeping the loads very light like they should be at the beginning or reasonable, and you see somebody making a mistake with their lifting, or if you're making a mistake in your lifting, you don't have to go, okay, do this, then that, then this, and that. Do all that fucking better. You don't have to do that. You just got to pick one thing that will give you the most return, the most bang for your buck right now. And just focus on doing that one thing better. Don't worry about the other things just yet. <clears throat> They'll keep getting better because this one thing is getting better. You're going to get better in all positions if you're, if you're improving the one key thing. That's That much is obvious. But really, if you nail the one thing at a time and then move on to the next thing once you're comfortable, then not moving on from that until you're comfortable again, I think you'll have part of the best results you've ever had with yourself and with others. So I got to thank Diane for coming in and really blowing our minds with that <clears throat> Zen philosophy. And never can. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> blowing her mind, blowing your mind, blowing my mind. What did Chris learn? And what did Brooks learn from Chris learning? That's the part of the game that we're in now. Um, okay. I've said this like maybe uh, each episode for the last couple episodes that these were some of my favorite and um, they continue to be some of my favorite. And this one's a little bit faster. You kind of jump around person to person. We you know, talk about five different, six different people in this episode. But just the nuggets that we're pulling out of those conversations are just so awesome. Um, so what did Brooks learn from Chris learning? Well, actually, no. We're playing the game. What did Chris learn from Diane Fu? 
Chris learned the importance of learning one thing at a time or teaching one thing at a time. The importance of keeping your focus on improving the most important and valuable thing to work on. Uh, and so what did I learn from Chris learning? Well, I'm in a refinement period of recess right now, like a systems refinement, really taking a nice long look at what's working and what's not working and why. And the trap is seeing things, seeing the multiple multitude of things that you could be working on and trying to fix them all right away. I made that mistake as a coach. When you're a young coach or young in your coaching in the early years, you want to show your value by trying to fix people right away. And what you don't realize is that by trying to give everything to everyone all the time, not only are you burning yourself out, you could be burning out your athlete because you're giving them too much to focus on and because they can't focus on everything at once because neither can you, they start to get frustrated. And then they start to get frustrated, they feel that resistance and then they're not having as much fun and here we go again, we're getting away from that first point which is fun is the key, it's the sauce. So if you're doing things like giving people a gazillion corrections and they're not having fun and frustrated, that's your fault, it's not theirs. Just remember that. But how does that reply to me? Well. Right now, like I've I've taken that step in my coaching. I say less now. I do my do my do my shtick, right? You know, you start class and you get people to engage and laugh and you know try to lighten the mood a little bit. And then um, I teach the the details that I feel are the most important. Which in barbell training right now we're doing two classes at recess. One of them is a combat class where I'm teaching a bunch of old uh, old to me, but combat arts. Um, in the form of like a health and fitness class. And I'm also teaching a barbell class. And everybody started with an empty barbell. And every time we, t every time I teach a lift, I teach the setup and I teach them how to hold tension. I don't talk about bar path. I don't talk about, you know, all the mechanics, the biomechanics, the muscles that are turning on and off, all that stuff. No, I give them a simple formula for setting up, which is usually some one, two, three type of setup. And I explain to them what it feels like and we practice holding tension. And most of the time, if you're setting up correctly and you're holding tension, the mechanics of the lift are pretty damn good. If I'm setting my feet up in the right direction, in the right, uh, uh, in the right place on a deadlift and I'm loading my hips and hamstrings first and not just grabbing straight for the bar and I'm keeping tension as I'm going through the setup process and then I get to that point right before I'm about to lift off and I have, I have that tension held and I'm in the right spot and I tell someone, stand up. The mechanics of the dead look look pretty damn good. I don't have to explain to them why you know their hips and shoulders need to rise at the same rate, and you know the bar pass got to stay in a straight line and up the shin and up you know and here you got to get the transition of your weight and get the hip thrust. Like no, none of that. Set up correctly, hold tension, and and go from there. And like even people that are pretty experienced lifters, most of the time that's all they really need. And I don't have to flood them with information. So what can I learn from that when it comes to my business? Well. I was in a habit of trying to refine everything all at once. And here Chris is again being like, hey, remember that lesson that you learned in barbell training? Um, it also applies to this other area of your life, dummy. And I'm like, right, exactly. Uh, it reminds me of like an old, and this might be like a Southern thing, I don't know. It's like an ism, right? And the question is, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You know, you can't eat an elephant in one bite. The only way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. I'm not advocating the eating of elephant meat or anything like that. Don't be so serious. Lighten up, motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that. I'm saying you can't do everything at once. So I'm talking to myself now. Refining recess one system at a time is the, is the approach. I don't have to try to fix everything at once. And thank God for Diane because she gave Chris that little nugget that he passed along to me that coincidentally, and maybe not so coincidentally at this point, I needed to hear this week because I'm in a refinement period. So thank you guys, both of you, Diane and Chris. Thank you. Next up, we got Carl Paoli. I call him the handsome magician. One, he's like super good looking guy, right? Um, if you don't know Carl, 
Paoli, P-A-O-L-I. Definitely look him up. He's written uh, a book called Freestyle. I don't. Uh, he used to run the Gymnastics Wad blog, and I imagine that he has quite a few new projects that he's working on that are fantastic. So if you're not following Carl, go find him because he's just a, a wonderful authentic human being that is aspiring to help people find their own authenticity in, in a very creative way. But the clip the, the, the clip that I'm going to play is the long clip of the day. It's about 10 minutes, and I believe by the end of the clip, you'll understand why I'm, why I'm calling him the magician. Um, the magician is kind of like, you know, they, they're, they're like the sleight of hand expert. They get you looking at one thing to keep your attention off of something else. And before you know it, they unveil the trick and, and it's like, it feels like magic, right? But they just really, they're just masters at directing attention exactly where they want so they can do all the complicated shit that you don't need to know about behind closed doors. So this is a great story of how Carl Paoli, the handsome magician, did some magic on Chris. And I'm going to let Chris tell this story because it's a good one. Strap in, and I'll see you on the other side. Let me let me move on now to another coach. This is my favorite interview of the whole trip. Another coach is at CrossFit San Francisco. Or San Francisco CrossFit. Fuck, I got to look it up eventually. <laughs> my favorite coach to interview the whole time was uh, Carl Paoli. Uh, Carl... I guess his I guess his main gig is uh, knock athletics, which is a freestyle sport. Sort of, um, I think he does a little strength coaching, movement coaching for extreme athletes who do like you know skateboarding, snowboarding, surfing, all that kind of cool shit. Break dancing, even. So you want to check out a cool website and learn more about that? Go to Knock Athletics or Google that knockathletics.com. Uh, you can also check out fucking a <laughs> crazy enough as it sounds. <clears throat> I'm now doing gymnasticswad.com. It's a website. That's that's Carl's other site where he's he's dishing out daily movement gymnastic skills, just like you would see on other wide blogs. You know, daily workout shit. But Carl, Carl made me a fucking believer, man. Because first we had a great podcast with Carl. I am the first thing I did was, hey man, how's it going? I immediately made a joke about his, his awesome hair, and we we talked about how you know, oh man, you must utilize sexy for your for maximum coaching effectiveness. The guy's a good looking guy. Super likable. When you meet him, you don't want to shake his hand. You want to give him a hug. He's that kind of warm, open dude. But uh, on the podcast, I immediately start connecting with him and even bullshitting with him before and after on how important it is. And we're both immediately sort of synergistically are making the same points on how important it is to have an organic experience with, with training and with coaching. So what do I mean by that? I mean, people can explain complicated shit to you. They can tell you what you need to do. You can have those expectations of yourself. I need to be able to do... So in Carl's world, it's like I need to be able to do muscle-ups really well. I need to be able to be good at all these things where I'm moving my body weight. That's just an example. But we both agreed so passionately and talked so much about the fact that if you can't make things fun for people, if you can't make them feel awesome and accomplished and sexy <laughs> for having participated in whatever it is you're doing, or if you can't feel that way in your training, if you can't feel accomplished and better and, you know, fucking you know, full of piss and vinegar when you're doing it. And if, if the things you're after, if they don't make sense to you. If, if the reason why you're doing something, you know, if the promise it holds for you, if it doesn't make you excited, if it doesn't make sense, you got to move on to something else. That was such a huge thing. But let me tell you the fucking most awesome thing that happened was with Carl. Cause once we got to the end of the show, we started talking about what kind of funny intro we would do for Barbell Shrugged with Carl. And for some reason, maybe, maybe Mike or somebody said, Oh, you should maybe teach Chris how to do a handstand. And I go, oh, fuck. <laughs> and my response, my response to the challenge probably was enough to make everyone go, oh, yeah, fuck, you got to definitely do that. Now, why is that a problem? Why was I laughing and shaking my head, no, no, no? And why did I say, oh, oh, cameraman, CTP, you're probably fucking laughing your ass off and moving a camera up and down. Yes, yes, yes. Because, look, I, I, I almost, I weigh like 290 pounds. I don't felt and sexy and lean, folks. I know. I don't have a sexy, raspy voice, but I'm a big guy. I have 300 pounds almost. So, no, I haven't really made it a practice of getting my ass above my head, okay? <laughs> and, no, I don't really, I haven't really ever attempted outside of a swimming pool to do a fucking handstand. I can't even do it in a swimming pool. I've never been able to really do it. It's just I'm a big guy. Putting my ass above my head is not in my list of things. It's not my repertoire. Uh, and I never really wanted to do it, but... I go, you know what, fuck, my golden rule is that if it's going to be funny for, for TV or 
radio. I, I guess I'm going to fucking do it, you know? <clears throat> I'm going like, to fucking go for it. So, like, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. I'll do it. So I took my... The first thing I did, I took my shirt into my pants because I didn't want my belly flopping out <laughs> on HD camera for the, all the internet to see. So I did that. And the first thing t- Carl says, like, yeah, yeah, Chris, you know, why don't you come over here? Just put your feet against the wall, yeah? And just do like this. Just walk your feet right up and just, you know, try to get into that good... And get your belly against the wall and stand against the wall. I'll spot you in a no worries. So he put me at ease immediately. So I go, you know what? Fuck it. So I took all his cues. I positioned my shoulders just so for maximum stability, kind of externally rotating and locking my elbows a little close together. The kind of shit that Kelly would tell you about, you know, getting the shoulder stable. And I, I kind of push him to the floor. And kind of the, maybe it's also the, the mad rush, the, the adrenaline of it. So I, put, I scurry right up the wall. I go, holy fuck. Before I knew it, I was in like a wall stand. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> it was really fun, but... Uh, so I walk up and I walk kind of down. I walk back up one more time. And so maybe it's like two minutes worth of effort total. But my fucking arms and shoulders, bro, were immediately more filled with blood and feeling more pumped and exhausted in a good way. You know, that good feeling you're after when you're lifting. But every inch of my arms was feeling like that. And I get down. I'm like, whoa, that's exhilarating. <laughs> and the first thing I thought about was, shit, man, I got to do this more often. Even tonight, my training, I did it. It's like two sets of walking my feet up and holding it and just trying to get in a good vertical position and get used to the idea of maybe just kicking my feet out one foot and doing a handstand at this big, massive, girthy body weight of my, that I'm carrying around. But uh, I thought I was kind of done. But Carl's like, no, come over here. No, come over here. Yeah, come on, let's walk over here. And the whole, this is going to be on the internet soon. I, maybe next two to three weeks you'll see this. So I'm not bullshitting. You'll be able to see the thing happen. So the next step in progression he was teaching me was I put my foot up on a plyometric box with my hands on the ground and kind of put my butt up in the air and made like a V. So my feet are on the box, uh, my butt's in the air. So I'm kind of simulating like a, a, a handstand, but I've got myself supported with my feet. And he had me lift my right leg up and make it straight, then my left leg. So it's kind of priming my nervous system to see what it feels like to put your feet above your head uh, one at a time so you would, wouldn't limit it. It wouldn't feel so foreign when I actually tried to do it, you know. It kind of broke me into it, which is genius and so simple. Fuck, that's what makes this coaching so damn great and, 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 you know, and satisfying is that it just makes sense. So I kick it up, kick it up, and he goes, okay, right, let's get the box out of the way. I go, okay, fuck. Get a little nervous now. I mean, he's going to make me actually do this shit. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your left leg in a lunge position and put your right leg way back and hands on the ground. Because I want you just to kick your leg up, you know, kind of pop it up and feel your body weight lift and come down nice and soft, lift and come down. So fuck, I'm committed, man. I'm doing it. I kick my right leg up. I do it. I think I just did it with my right leg. So I'm, I'm getting used to then sticking my body weight, driving my hips up and kind of tilting forward and getting into that position, that handstand position. And that's how I'm getting kind of confident. Holy fuck. <laughs> I'm kind of doing this. I was so shocked. And I can, I look up, I see people, I mean, maybe they recognize me from the show or, you know, CrossFit San Francisco, San Francisco CrossFit. Maybe I just look like a complete asshole. Maybe they were so shocked that a guy my size was doing this shit. But I saw a lot of cameras going and it was, it was kind of like performing. So, and even at that time, I saw Kelly walk in and I was like, oh, fuck, I got to impress this guy. Like, let him see uh, the, the fat guy from that barbell truck show do a handstand. So the next step was to, to actually give this a go. So Carl's like, look, listen to me. I'll get you supported. What I want you to do is kick that leg up harder. Commit. Get the butt up you know, and get in that position. Go for it, man. Go for it. You know, I'm feeling confident as shit right now. <laughs> the, the handsome Spaniard had me fucking believing, man. So I do it. I put my feet down, take a couple deep breaths, express some doubt. Like, holy shit, man, I don't know if I can do this. But everybody's laughing, so I'm like, oh, fuck it. What's the worst can you do? Land on your head. It's going to make for great TV. So I, uh, I totally commit. I, I throw my foot up. And before you f- I fucking know it, the priming, everything came together. I got into a handstand position, to which the only thing I say was, holy fuck balls. <laughs> I did that. And what's even more exciting is like, I held that position. I could feel myself in good, in good sort of vertical stance. I was balanced. And then, fuck, man, Carl let go of me for probably... It felt like 10 seconds. Maybe it wasn't quite that. But maybe I wouldn't be surprised if it was. I, I stood there, held that position. He spotted me, but no one was holding me. I was just in a fucking handstand. And it just blew my mind so much. And sort of instantly ignited, it ignited this new fire. Like, I always talk about how to be a beginner is to have the opportunity to master new things. And even if you've been doing one thing for 20 years, there's all these other things you haven't been practicing. So you have this innate ability to to capitalize on that and to take advantage of new things that you, you, you still are foreign with. So the, the advantage of that is when you have this kind of breakthrough moment like I had, when you achieve something like that, 
it's it's like it's like the kindness. You, it's, it's kind of like excitement you see when your kid walks for the first time, rides a bike for the first time, says something funny for the first time, and he reacts to you. You know that kind of breakthrough moment. That's what I experienced all over again. Fucking smiling from ear to ear. When I land, I go, holy fuck, dude. I high five Carl. And all the guys are like, holy shit, man. You did a fucking handstand. <laughs> and I look over. Hey, Kelly, did you see that shit? <laughs> and they point at me like, oh, yeah, you did it. Like, it wasn't that big a deal. But I said, hey, dude, man, it's the first time I've ever done anything like that. And he said, well, fucking right on, man. That's what it's all about. And it is what it's all about. So that, that's the message from Carl. I mean, Carl... He's bringing sexy back. He's teaching people great fundamentals of movement. He's he's taking gymnastic ideas and applying it in a real-world way to real-world fucking people and giving guys like me an exciting breakthrough moment. So that's why I'm committing now. On the days I train, I'm going to warm up and get mobile and, and work on my body skills with gymnasticsquad.com. Scale down a lot. You know, I'm, just, I'm just looking for getting a dose and a response. It's the simplest thing I can do. But I'm going to work on it, commit to it, man, because I get so fucking excited by this. What an awesome story, dude. Um, like I said, magic. Magic is where you, where they make the impossible possible. Chris, almost 300 pounds, never in his wildest imagination did he think he'd be able to do, not only just get upside down and be vertical, but do a fucking handstand. And Carl, just one step at a time, one thing at a time, very similar to what we've been talking about, improving one thing at a time. Like, oh, I'm just going to direct your focus on this one thing. Can you do this one thing? Okay, cool. You can do that one thing. Let's do this next thing. Since you can do that one thing, let's do this next. And he just one by one, one by one, one by one, helps him master. And before you know it, like Chris said, all the priming, all the good and positive vibes and instruction, he's upside down. That blew my mind. Carl is an amazing, amazing coach. And just that story... One, it's fun to listen to Chris get really excited about stuff, right? Um, it's really cool to hear him, someone who has such a vast, deep like pool of knowledge, be excited and and really like taken back by what's possible for himself and the willingness to be a beginner again. But the that's what Chris learned. But what what Brooks learned from Chris learning was the importance of having an organic, hands-on experience. And I didn't realize that, I didn't realize how important that was all the way around. And this episode was a nice, like, you know, mirror to shine back at me because going back to the refinement of recess, right? I said, I took from Diane Fu the one thing at a time. I'm going to refine one system at a time. I'm going to do it really well. But the the reason that that's important is, is also because it's a hands-on experience of me with a system that before I was just kind of delegating away because one, I didn't understand them very well. And so I kind of avoided taking ownership and responsibility over them because uh, I, I just didn't want to mess with something that I didn't understand. I didn't feel like I was uh, using, the, it was the best use of my time to understand something. But the thing is, if I don't ever try to understand it and have like an organic hands-on experience with that system, I can't actually direct the person that I've delegated it to towards any end that is what I want because how could they possibly know? I've never even tried, so I don't know. I've done nothing to educate myself on that system. I've done nothing to real. I've just kind of given it away and avoided it, right? So I wasn't having an organic hands-on experience with the system. I was just giving it away and hope that it got taken care of. But now I'm really digging into those systems. I'm really loving the experience of learning and creating effective systems. Uh, and what that means for me is that like now I'm getting this hands-on organic experience with them and I'm seeing massive breakthroughs, massive breakthroughs, and not just in my ability to create effective systems, but also massive breakthroughs in other areas of my life. Chris didn't just have that handstand experience and go, oh, cool, that was nice. Now he's integrated that experience into his larger training. So Chris is always great about taking these deeper principles and bringing them back to training. So for Chris, it's like, I avoided doing gymnastics. I met a coach that was fantastic at teaching me how to do gymnastics. I did something in less than, an, you know, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour that I've never done in my entire life. And now it has changed the way that he's doing everything. 
It's changing the way that he's doing his barbell training. He's integrated that organic hands-on experience and that breakthrough into his larger philosophy, larger training, all that stuff. Okay, so I've been learning lately how important it is, especially in your business, uh, and I imagine this is true no matter what. This is at your job. Like if you're avoiding something at your job, maybe it isn't for you. But also it's possible that maybe that thing that you've been avoiding is the key that you need to get what you want. Who knows? But you got to be curious and you got to be willing to have that organic hands-on experience. Personal. And who knows? You might see a massive breakthrough. I know that I have. Last up, Kelly Sturette. I call Kelly the total package. Why the total package? Well, let's go back. We had Jason Kaliba, the busy and balanced badass, and the things that we learned from him, the details don't matter so much, and having fun, and this is the big point, having fun is the number one goal. Kelly Sturette, that dude knows how to have fun. If you've ever seen him on video, you get that right away. Greg and, Amy, Greg and Amy Everett, the servants of weightlifting. Their whole point was being the power of dedicating to something larger than yourself. Kelly is on a mission. He is standing for something that's larger, literally standing for something. <laughs> His whole thing is like fighting against sitting, right? So, and among other things. But he's taken a stand literally to fight and be dedicated to something larger than himself. And that is the overall health, wellness, and preparedness of the American public. And I imagine now on a global scale, okay? Um, Diane Fu taught us the importance of focusing on one thing at a time and refining systems. Kelly is all about refining systems. He's about looking into what's not working and really diving in as to why and fixing that. Okay. And yeah, you know, some people misapply Kelly's uh, uh, information to try to fix everything at once, but it's not Kelly's fault that they're applying it incorrectly. It's their fault that they're applying it incorrectly, or they just have some room to grow and learn, and that's all good. But Kelly does represent that intentional effort on fixing one thing at a time. And he also is very big, Kelly is, just like Carl, on having an organic hands-on experience. Kelly isn't saying go and give your health away to a PT or a doctor. He's saying, no, you can stand up and do this for yourself. Literally have a hands-on-your-body experience and learn a thing or two about yourself, right? So in this case, Jason, uh, the Everett's, Diane Fu, and Carl all kind of peek into this one connection point. And for Chris, that was Kelly Sturette. And that's why I called him the total package. So I know that somewhere along this episode, you've gotten something to take home. And so I'm really grateful that I had an opportunity to share with you today. I'm going to let Chris close the show like only he can, telling a story about Kelly Sturette, the total package, what he learned from him. And I'm going to let him close the show and he's going to do his plugs and play the music and get out of here. And I will catch up with you next week. Thank you all so much for tuning in and I'll see you next time. Peace. You know, what would I say really that is the take home thing from, from Kelly? What is the, you know, the, the, the lesson if I've learned so far to, to be busy and balanced you know, at the same time, but to, you know, if there's a minute to create something, do something good, do some act of kindness, add something to the world, you take the advantage of it, you know, hustle. If I learned that from Jason, if I learned about respect and diligence and um, treating your your pursuits like an art form as a, as a martial art into themselves, if I learned that from Greg and Diane, if I learned how to bring sexy, fun training back with Carl and new things. So what did I learn from Kelly? Well, I think it's this. Maybe it's really an example of how you do really all that shit, man. You know, in Kelly, you've got a guy who is smart as fuck. I mean, look, there's no the, – the three of us kept up with him pretty quick. But um, he's, his brain is going fucking 800 miles an hour. He knows his shit. He, it, he's got a working, you know, uh, Xerox copy image of the of every nook and cranny of the human body in his mind. He knows how to manipulate it to, to, to greater effect. Smart as shit. Driven. You can't be busy 24 hours a day without being really driven and really believing and respecting and loving what you do and, and really buying into the idea that what you're doing can help people. You know, sure, he's got things he wants to accomplish. You'd say he's got a clear agenda in terms of, look, I want to get these things done. I want to, you know, accomplish, go big, go home, you know. But, fuck, that's a good thing. If you're going to do something, whether it's risk or not, 
if you if you really believe what you're doing, you're prepared, you're educated, you're you got a fucking fire in the belly, you got to go for it. So he sort of personifies that, and he still holds on to that sort of. You know, the guy geeks out and has a love and appreciation for athletes. His, you know, the big thing we talked about, maybe one of the big talking points is how we have to quit treating athletes, and athletes have to quit treating, treating themselves as if they were disposable or temporary. Or people can push themselves, push themselves, push themselves, try to run a marathon but not educate themselves. They can try to get good at sport but not really train in a way that supports long-term sustainability and good joint health and good mo- motion and, and and balance and, and, and fosters still an appreciation for what they're doing, not just a, an imbalanced pursuit of performance at the, at the sake of their own, well, you know, despite their own bodies and their health. He cares. He cares about that shit. And I care about that shit. So I preach so much about training in a smarter way that doesn't just think of how much weight you're moving, because I did that. I paid a price for that. I had some, a couple bad times, a couple disappointing experiences, a couple injuries that could have easily just been avoided. And there are a lot of athletes out there and a lot of basic people who are pursuing sport and fitness who would have a much better time, would have a better result, would, would move better and have less pain if they do it in a, in a way that just makes sense, that considers some basic, simple. I mean, this is not complicated shit. I mean, one thing we talked about was you know, stripping away all the nonsense. So it's sort of similar to what I talked about with Carl. You know, Kelly also believes it's really important that you understand why you would do a certain stretch or a you know, positional exercise or why you shouldn't move in a certain way. He, he, he communicates that in a way that makes sense to everybody. And uh, he does it in a way that's not very pretentious. It's down the earth. It's kind of funny. He's not afraid to take himself less seriously. This is all great shit because all that matters is just helping people. So maybe there's also a little bit of a compassion component there. To, you know, what's, what's really important is that you learned how to, you know how to, you, you, you execute this this technique for taking care of yourself, take care of your body, keeping it fucking maintenance mode, <laughs> you know, making sure everything runs as it should and that you don't just go around an injury and create another injury. You don't lift for the sake of just getting better and better and better and better and better at, at you know, forsaking everything that makes you happy and healthy and pain-free. So that all that shit is just so amazing. I, it's a lot to talk about. I probably fucking rambled on. But please understand that I'm still trying to make sense of it all too. It'll take a few days and weeks and maybe a couple months to assimilate all the information. And I put it into practice, but I'm sure I'll, I'll be able to talk about it a little more detail and draw out some more specific lessons for you um, in the weeks to come. So, folks, I mean, that's kept you hopefully at least uh, somewhat entertained for about 45 minutes. Um, that's really all I want to go over tonight, man. Um, that's enough for one dose, so to speak. Uh, before I go, let me remind you of a few things. Please, 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 if you like the podcast, if you want to support what I'm doing, you can do that in a few special ways. You can go onto Stitcher or iTunes. Find the Barbara Buddha podcast. Give it a rating. Hopefully, you'll give it five stars if you like this show. Leave a little comment. Let other people know what to expect. Let them know what you think about it. So if you leave a five-star comment, I'd be much appreciated. Also, you can go to store.barbabuddha.com, buy a copy of the book in PDF, paperback, or audiobook format. The book is Progress. If you don't yet have it, you can buy a T-shirt, a mug, or something. Whatever you want. Also, what I just announced today is actually, well, or yesterday, I submitted We'll publish on the social networks and all that, and I'll put it on the, the store. There's a book cover for the new book, uh, Way Past Strong, I'm calling it. Uh, Tales of Strength, Philosophy, Life, Science, Vice, all that good stuff. That's going to be really good. This thing's going to be long. I've got 170 pages of text right now to get through. Uh, once edited and, and filled out with some other little features I'm going to put in, it's probably going to be a big honking, like maybe like, probably going to be 200 pages, which is pretty awesome. It's intimidating because it's a lot of shit to edit, man. But that's going to be coming out, hopefully. I would like to see it out in November, even maybe by December 1st. It's going to take some time. I want to do it the right way. I want to have it as good as possible. I'm going through and rewriting everything I've written, you know, just making sure it's as refined as I can get it. Reason me so. I'll make sure to release it uh, in paperback form. You'll start seeing some maybe some sneak peeks of that in late October, maybe early November, depending on how quick I get the editing done. Um, you'll see... Probably a Kindle version. I'm not going to. Maybe in the new year I'll do an audiobook, but I'm not doing it yet. So keep keep uh, keep your eyes peeled for more announcements about this stuff, folks. Uh, as we get into fall, my favorite time of year. Fuck pumpkin lattes, cinnamon apple candles, open windows, crisp air. Fuck, I love. It. I'm getting so happy. Uh, we'll have to get into that mood a little more with some music talk, with some training talk, with some philosophy talk that fits the autumn air and that dip in temperature, man. we got to get into a different groove. I'm sure we'll make it happen. Um, until then, man, that's all i got to talk to you about. 
hope you had an awesome weekend. Hope your week's going good so far. Hope you're fucking being creative and embracing some of these lessons, man. Go out there and find fucking good things to do. Be positive. Be busy, but not too busy. Keep the balance. Make the things you can... Put that extra effort you've got into some fucking shit you love and want to see done in a really great way. Commit to something cool. Make an impact. Show an appreciation for shit. Geek out on it, man. Commit to it. Put a little sexiness into it. You know, fucking make make your time spent in this little, this little brief time you've got on this fucking planet, man. Let's get real. To summary point, you got a little bit of time to hang out, have fun, and do some good. So fucking fill that time with as much cool shit as possible. If you do that, you'll have my respect. Go out there and fucking do it. <laughs> so until next time, man, look, I want to wish you great times. Peace, number, stay. Cheers. Talk to you soon. <laughs>